Let's pray together. Get into fascinating, a fascinating study that's been done. Dear Father, we are proud of them. Ruth Murdoch Elementary School, they are our kids. And not only did they provide beautiful music, they're in the big top, preaching their young hearts out the truth about Jesus for this generation. Bless them to the max for doing it. May they know our love and support and our prayers are around them these nine nights. And as we come to the same word here for the big people, may that word be instructive for us. Give us courage to follow wherever Jesus leads. We pray in his name. Amen. I don't know if you, uh, re- you, you might have read about this research. I did, obviously. It's a University of British Columbia and Harvard Business School collaborating together. Fascinating, fascinating research topic. Let's find the correlation. Now, listen. Let's find the correlation between money and happiness. Is there any correlation between money and happiness? So they put this uh, research team together, and they conducted three experiments. I want to report on those experiments to you. Fascinating conclusion. Any correlation between money and, and uh, happiness. In fact, the headline to this report, that's, that's what caught my eye. Money buys happiness. And I'm thinking, man, that, that, is, so, that is so against everything that I've uh, been taught as a kid growing up. But listen, l- listen to this. Researchers at the University of British Columbia Harvard Business School have found that it is possible to buy happiness after all. Can you believe that? In a series of studies, UBC, British Columbia, Assistant Professor Elizabeth Dunn, she's the lead author in this study. She's in the Department of Psychology. She is collaborating with Michael Norton, Assistant Professor, Harvard Business School. So they do three experiments, okay? We're going to vary the, re- the experimentation. Experiment number one, let's just take a sample uh, of Americans, 630 of them. of them are female. Let's ask this sample three questions. Question number one, would you rate, please rate your general happiness. Question number two, uh, please report your annual income. And number three, provide a breakdown of your monthly spending, including bills, gifts for yourself, gifts for others, and donations to charity. 630 Americans weighed in on this, okay? So that's experiment number one. Here comes experiment number two. They found... They found a firm in Boston. Of course, Boston's the hometown for Harvard. So they find a firm that's willing to participate, and they they interview the employees before and after receiving their yearly profit-sharing bonus. You know the company, the firm, they're spreading the profit around. So the checks are between $3,000 and and, uh, $8,000. So they interview them before they get the checks. How happy are you? They interview them afterwards. So they do that come up with an amazing and intriguing uh, conclusion. And then they do one more, just to be safe, sort of a random. So they pick people off the street and say, we're going to give you a $5 bill or a 20. It was 5 or 20. And the instructions to the people, simple. You have to spend this by 5 o'clock today. 5 o'clock, you spend it. Half of the group, the other do, do not know, half of the group is instructed, you must spend it on yourself. The other half is instructed, you must spend it on others. Then come back when you're done. We want to talk to you about happiness. So that's exactly what happened. When it's all said and done, and they correlate the research, can you believe their conclusions? Take your study guide out. I want to go. Let's get it down right now. I'm, going to, I'm taking it right off of the report that the University of the British Columbia gave for this study. The, the uh, worship study guide should be in your bulletin. Now, reach in your bulletin. There, oh, here comes our friendly authors, uh, ushers, rather. If you didn't get one, just, just hold your hand up. We'll make sure that you get it up in the balcony as well. 
Fascinating, fascinating. Let's jot this down. And those of you who are watching us right now on uh, live streaming, we're glad to have you. Glad you've come along for the journey. I want to put our website up on the screen for you if you're watching on television. Those of you that are already on live streaming, you already know our website. But let's put this new little mini-series that begins right now. The title of the mini-series, How to Quantify Your Happiness, The Alchemy of Virtue, is the title of today's teaching, www.pmchurch.tv. Go to that website. You'll get the same research conclusions that we're going to fill in right now. Incredible. So what's the correlation between money and happiness? What's the correlation, money and happiness, Let's put it on the screen. This is the uh, part of the uh, UBC's report. Regardless of how much income each person made, and that would be in the national sample, those who spent money on others, write in, the, write in the word others, those who spent money on others reported greater happiness, while those who spent more on themselves did not. Let's go to the Boston firm. The employees in the Boston firm who devoted more of their bonus to gifts for others or toward charity consistently reported greater benefits than the employees who simply spent money on their own needs. Okay, now what's, what's that other test? Oh, the, the 5 and $20 uh, bill test. Participants in the random uh, giveaway who spent the windfall, that gift money, on others by 5 o'clock in the afternoon reported feeling happier at the end of the day than those who spent the money on themselves, right in the word, end quote. The study conclusion, and this is a headline that caught my eye, study conclusion, money buys happiness, but that wasn't the whole title. Money buys happiness when you spend money on others. Apparently, they, they have found out that there is more happiness when you give than when you receive. I suppose intuitively we would, we would have all have guessed that, but now you, you have it. Research. Once upon a time, the young man who had the audacity to claim that he was God himself pulled a single sentence out and stuck it in the hearts of his listeners. But the amazing thing is the sentence never ends up in the Gospels. It surely didn't end up in the study, and yet it, it, the study is a corroboration of that single line tucked away, if you have a red-letter Bible, in the heart of a sea of black words. Go to the Gospel of Acts. We're not used to going to Acts for the words of Christ, but here it is. If you have a red-letter Bible, there's one short little sentence, bright red, sea of black, Acts chapter 20. Let's take a look at this. Acts chapter 20. This is... This is this is a farewell, a farewell moment. Paul is, is, is unburdening his heart with the elders and the members of the brand-new uh, Christian church in Ephesus. He's going to be leaving. He's just told them, you're never going to see my face again. And so there, there is a whole lot of weeping and wailing going on. In fact, in, in chapter 21, verse 1, Luke says, we finally had to tear ourselves away from this little church. But I want you to come to the tail end of, of Paul's farewell address. So this is Acts chapter 20. Let's just pick it up in verse 33. We want to find that little, that little red sentence in the sea of black. Here it comes, verse 33. Paul says, hey, listen, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. I didn't come to minister you to get rich by you. I didn't take a penny from you. Nothing. I haven't coveted your money. Verse, verse 34, you yourselves know that these hands of mine, look at these hands, these hands of mine, he says, were the hands that supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. Now, we know that Paul, by profession, was a, was a tent maker. He's a self-supporting missionary. You didn't pay me a penny. I had to work to keep myself going in ministry to you. These hands, like the old E.F. E. Hutton commercial, I did it the hard way. I earned it. These hands of mine 
Now we come to it. Here we go, verse 35. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. We've got to look out for those less fortunate than we are. Remembering, whoa, that means that this little line has been heard before. Hey, come on, guys, you've heard me. You've heard me quote it or you've heard somebody quote it. Remembering the words of Jesus himself. And in the Greek, it's emphatic. I mean, these are Christ's words. Never ended up in the Gospels. This is the only place you can find it. At the tail end, the last line of this farewell address, remembering the words Jesus himself said, and here it goes, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jot that down, will you? That's that one-liner, that's one red line and a sea of black. Jot it down. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I mean, that was, a, that was the conclusion of the University of British Columbia, Harvard Business School. Their conclusion, you are happier when you give than when you receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said 2,000 years ahead of Harvard. He said, let me tell you this truth. It's an amazing line. Because you know what? You look at the line, it's, it's very clear. It's a two-way blessing. It's not just a blessing for the givers. There's a blessing for the receivers. When somebody does something special for you, kind of, kind of like out of the ordinary, you never knew it was coming, don't you, just, don't you just feel warm and blessed by that? Whatever that something special is, yeah, that's a blessing. But Jesus says there is a greater blessing. The greater blessing is not receiving. The greater blessing is what? The greater blessing is giving. Let me share with you. Root over this line with me for a moment. Three benefits of the greater blessing. Jot them down. Number one, in fact, you have to fill it in here. Three benefits from the greater blessing of giving. Jot them down. Number one, when you give, you are drawn away from your own interests. Giving amazingly does that for you and me. And, of course, that's a good thing, by the way. One of the most powerful quotations I've ever come across on this particular subject came from an author named, uh, named Ed Gunger. I quote him in my book, The Chosen. So this is, I want to put his words on the screen for you, Ed Gunger. Giving, fill it in please. Giving touches a nerve in us that nothing else does. We look a lot like God when we do it. When you give, I like this, when you give, you defy the fear that I won't have enough. When you give, I don't care what's left. I'm, I, I'm not afraid of what's left. I wanna, I'm going to defy that fear. When you give, you defy the fear that you don't have enough. You insult greed. The impulse to acquire or possess more than one needs or deserves. Do we really need all of that? How many times have you added that to our wardrobe, please? Yeah, you defy it. You defy greed. You defy fear. You defy greed. If you really believe, keep reading, if you really believe that God owns it all and that He is your source and provider, giving will be a simple matter. According to Jesus, giving keeps your heart in motion toward God and away from material things. Last line, your heart will follow the direction of your giving. End quote. So, three benefits for the greater blessing. Benefit number one, when you give, you're drawn away from your own interest. Jot it down. Number two, when you give, you give play to the better part of your nature. Now, out in the, uh, you know, out in the, uh, the world beyond the church, they call that the good angel. Don't, don't you have heard of people talk about the good angel in you? It's the good angel of selflessness. And the world spots it just like that. Everybody spots it. That's why Mother Teresa, by the way, when she was still alive, God bless her, she would walk into a room that the irreverent and godless American press, psh, silence, stand, they rise in her presence. Why? They're not of her faith. They have no faith at all. But they recognize in her the good angel of selflessness. Well, I'm not practicing it myself. No, no, no. It's not a virtue I'm trying to build, but boy, do I see it in you. 
And you know the truth? When you hang around somebody who gives, I mean, you really know that they give, there's a little bit of envy in you. You're saying, how does she do it? How does that guy do it? Why? Because I know that that selflessness is in direct opposition to my selfishness. And I'm naturally selfish. And there's this little pang of envy. I wish I could do that. I wish I could be more unselfish in giving. But that's Jesus' whole point here. When you do the same, when you reach down deep into yourself to give, when you reach down deep into your calendar to give, when you reach down deep into your wallet or, or purse to give, when you reach down deep, something happens to you. That good angel expresses himself, and you know. It just it feels good. You know something's happening. There are three benefits to the greater blessing of giving. And here's number three. When you give, you receive the approval of God. Hey, Jesus says, hey, listen, I just need you to know that when you give, that blessing, it's, it's, it's like the God of the universe who is beaming his smile down on you. When you make that sacrifice, seven years old, 77, 97, it doesn't matter. That just that smile just surrounds you. That's part of the approval that you sense. You just, whoo. And do you know why God approves? Do you know why God approves your giving? Because he is a giver by nature. That's just what he does. In fact, he is the unlimited provider of the universe. Let's put that up on the screen. He's the unlimited provider of the universe. He's the greatest giver there is. Uh, let, me, let me just run three great promises. Go mark your Bible. Not, not right now, but this afternoon, sit down and mark your Bible with these three. This is Genesis 22, verse 14. So Abraham calls the place. Hey, you remember the story about Abraham and Isaac? They're climbing the mountain, and Isaac says, Hey, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. I mean, we've got the wood. We've got the fire here. Where's the lamb? And what does the father say? Don't worry, son. God will provide. Abraham had no idea how God was going to provide. He's going to have to sacrifice his son. But then God did provide a ram, didn't he? And so then Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. I love that word, provide. Write it down in your study guide. You, watch how it repeats itself. In these three promises, the Lord will provide. Here's Acts chapter 14, verse 17. God has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides. <laughs> he is the unlimited provider. He provides you with plenty of food and he fills your hearts with joy. Sometimes when I am uh, visiting with, and I, it happens more and more, and you watch this economy continues to go south. And by the way, don't fail to read my blog in today's bulletin. You go on the website and get it on the website if you're, you're live streaming right now. Don't do it right now. But uh, read my blog about a new book that was just given to me, 2014, on, the, on what's happening with the economy. As this economy continues to go south, more and more of us are sensing the pinch of this, this economic binding. And this is my go-to verse. Somebody saying, hey, pastor, I don't know how we're going to afford this. I don't know how we can, we can continue. I will go to this verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. My God shall supply. Another word for that is shall provide for. My God shall provide for all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus our Lord. God says, I will provide. I will take care of you. Don't worry. I am the unlimited provider. And by the way, keep your pen moving. Since God is the unlimited provider, giving, write that in, giving is a God-like act. When you give, you're being like God. I mean, we read that just a moment ago. What was that line we read? Uh, we look a lot like God when we do it. It's no wonder he approves. 
When you give more and more, you become more and more like him. That's why he blesses you. Come on. Be like me. Give. Give. So a couple months ago, I'm reading, and I come across this column from the New York Times. Fascinating. Listen to this. The column is written by Arthur C. Brooks. He's the president of the American Enterprise Institute that is funded solely by philanthropy. All right? So I'm reading, and I say, isn't that something? I want you to have that something in your study guide. Let me put the words on the screen for you. This is from his column. By the way, you have the web address there, so you, <clears throat> you can check all this out yourself. In 2003, so he says, a bunch of years ago, while working on a book about charitable giving, I stumbled across a strange pattern in my data. Paradoxically, I was finding that donors ended up with more income after making their gifts. Can you believe that? You make the gift and you end up with more. What's up with that? Read the next sentence. This was more than correlation. I found solid evidence that giving stimulated prosperity. Jot that down. Giving stimulates prosperity. I wish I could quote the whole, <clears throat> the whole piece in the study guide. Now read on the screen because there wasn't enough room to include this. But this is something. I viewed my results as implausible and I just filed, this can't be true. Now nah, nah, I just filed it away. But, now hold on, hold on. Read it on the screen. When I mentioned my weird findings <clears throat> to a colleague, he told me that they were fairly unsurprising. Psychologists, I learned, have long found that donating and volunteering bring a host of benefits to those who give. We've known that for years. Chair, now this is, this is new for you. Jot this one word down that you're going to see. It's marked there. Charitable giving improves what psychologists call self-efficacy. Now, just write that in the column. Just write it in the column. You Google the word. Self-efficacy. What's that mean? That's one's belief that one is capable of handling a situation and bringing a desired outcome. Now, keep reading. When people give their time or money to a cause they believe in, whoa, hold on, they become problem solvers. Problem solvers are happier than bystanders and victims of circumstance. Do you get what he's saying? He says, when you give to an organization, when you give to an institution, when you give to a church, when you give to a cause, whatever it is, suddenly by your gift, you are investing yourself in that cause. And now, hey, I'm, I'm helping out. This isn't a whole lot, but I'm helping this organization. And you become a problem solver. And there's a sense of goodwill. Man, I'm glad to be a part of this. The guys that are not giving, no, no, I'm going to spend all this on me. They don't have it. They do not have it. That's what they're finding. In fact, Arthur Brooks has coined this little phrase, and that's the title for our, this particular teaching, the alchemy of virtue. The alchemy of virtue. You remember alchemy? Um, this was back in the Middle Ages. This was that hocus-pocus, bogus, uh, you know, this little practice where these, these mysterious secret uh, practitioners could take base metal, just common metal, give me that common metal, and then I go in the back room and with chemical potion, and I bring it out, and it's solid gold. Alchemy. Now, he says, let's talk about the alchemy of virtue. What does that mean? Listen to this. I thought this was fascinating. The alchemy of virtue is this. That's where giving can empower those with financial resources to convert the dross of their money into the gold of a better society. My old filthy lucre, as the Bible calls money, filthy lucre. I can put my filthy lucre into this, investing in this cause, and boom, it comes out gold. 
That's his point. When you give it away, <laughs> you get it back. In fact, let me, let me just show you. You're saying, Dwight, come on, this guy doesn't believe it. He's just, he's just trying to sell it to the line. Oh, really? He gives his personal testimony. I'll put it on the screen for you. But studying the link between service to others and happiness changed more than just my research. Hold on. The evidence led me and my wife to consider our personal behavior, and they made three changes. Number one, we raised our financial support for the causes we cared about. Man, I want to be invested as a problem solver. I'm not going to be just a hanger-on. I'm going to be in it. So we raised, we raised our giving. Number two, we increased our volunteering, and then hold on to your pew. And number three, proving that the path to the human heart can run through 100 megabytes of social science data, we adopted our youngest child. Let's do something good for the world. Let's adopt this child. Isn't that something? He, he practices what he preaches. I mean, this is the guy who says that donors end up with more income after making their gifts. He says, when you give, that's, there's solid evidence that you will stimulate prosperity in your own life. Guess what? 3,000 years before he ever came to that conclusion, there was a God in this universe who said, by the way, I want to tell you something. It works exactly like that. I don't need research. I'm telling you the truth. And I want you to look at this one line. This is phenomenal. The same God who spoke, the same God who spoke, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he was the pre-incarnate Christ, spoke these words, the last words in the Old Testament. Open your Bible to the little book of Malachi. Little book of Malachi, same God making the same point. Malachi chapter 3. So you find Matthew, then go just, you're going backwards towards the front. You find uh, Matthew, then the book just before Matthew will be Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. Same God. Watch this. Verse 10. Malachi 3, verse 10. God speaking, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And oh, I love this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, what did that researcher tell us? He said, I found that when people gave, they had more left over when they gave than they had before. That's precisely what God is saying. I will do that for you. I'm going to open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing. You're not going to have room enough. You didn't have it before, but when you gave it away, I gave it back to you plus more. University of British Columbia, Harvard Business School. God says, hey, hey guys, nice conclusion. I came to that just a few millennia ago. That's what he's saying. Test me. Test me. Jot this down, will you? Here's what God is saying. Test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing right in those three words. So much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Let me prove to you, God says, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Test me. I'm going to show you that the streak to prosperity goes through giving. Test me on this. What they are finding, I've always taught. So please, test me. Test me. Whoa, he must, be, he must be pretty confident about the research. He says, try it. Just try it. Test me. For it's more blessed to give than to receive. Hey, so, so God says, hey, listen, come on. So why, did you, why, why don't you start giving to me? I mean, you want, you want causes? Why don't you just give to me? After all, am I not the one, am I not the one that, gave, that gave you everything you have, that made you everything you are and everything you will become? Am I not that God? So let's just start you and me. Don't worry about the causes out there. You just give to me. 
tithe. I mean, the whole world, you can be an atheist and know what tithe is. The whole world knows that tithe is 10% of your income. Everybody knows it. You don't need a little lesson in that. God says, 10% of that's mine. You give it back to me. Test me. Now, come on, come on, come on, come on. Test me and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven. University of British Columbia, Harvard Business School, they're right. Test me. Check me out and see what I will do for you. A lot of us treat our spirituality as, well, I, can, I want God to be working in this part of my life, and I want Him to be working in that part of my life. But God finances, that's my area. I have a little more knowledge of this than you do. I says, test me. You don't think I can handle this? Oh, God, you don't understand. If I give 10%, do you know how much we have less? And if we have less, do you know how much less we can do? Do you know about educational costs? Do you know about food? Do you know about rent? Let me ask you something, God. Do you know about air conditioning in the summer and heating in the winter? I have those down here. You have it awfully nice in heaven. Oh, really, do I? Shall I talk to you about what I've given to you? Shall I put the numbers up on the screen so that we'll just count them down, how much, I, how much you are worth to me? Let me put the numbers up here. Let me just keep lining those zeros up. Let me keep lining those zeros up till they go to infinity. That's what you're worth to me. I'm asking you to test me. I'm asking you to test me. Check it out. And so today, we're going to do just that. Beginning right now, we begin today the 90-day tithe challenge. Some of you have never tithed in your life. You just happen to be here today, and I'm so glad you are because you just found out what the Harvard Business School has been teaching now and the University of the British Columbia. You just found out that when you give, more comes to you, more than when you had before, more than what you had before. And, but it has to be through tithe. God says, come on, bring the tithe because that's mine anyway. I know I want that tense back. I don't need it. Trust me. I don't need your nickels and dimes. You just give me that tithe. That will be your way of saying, God, I trust you. God says, test me. So today we begin the 90-day tithe challenge. Some of you have never tithed in your life. Starting today, I'm going to invite you to begin tithing for 90 days. If it doesn't work after 90 days, you're out. You're out. You quit. You just say, God, I knew you were pulling my leg. Test me. Test me. Some of you wives know that your husband needs a little bit of encouraging. I know how it works. I want you to get your husband in on this. Some of you husbands know that your wife is saying, no, honey, well, not yet, not yet. My friend, there will never be a yet that will be the right time. Now is it. Test me. Now, I want to speak to two groups, though. A group that has never tithed. And don't feel guilty about it. You just found out about the research. This is a good time to jump, get on the bandwagon. And number two, I want to speak to a group that is, well, I say, hey, Dwight, I started tithing, but then, you know, I got a little pinched and bought a new car and got that ski boat, and man, I just can't keep doing this. I want to talk to the group that has been starting and stopping tithing, starting and stopping, starting and stopping. You've been doing that all your life, starting and stopping, starting and stopping. I'm going to ask you as well to test God. Take the, take the challenge. What do you got to lose? You have nothing to lose. It's the 90-day tithe challenge. You can do it. Test me, God says. For the next 90 days, if you get paid every week, I want 10%. Just, just, just return it to me. It's 10%. You, you won't miss it. I'll show you. If you're paid every two weeks, I want, just, just, just give me the 10%. Just give me 10%. It's my tithe. You get paid only monthly, then at the end of the month, give me first before you pay electricity. Return to me what is mine and see. If I'll not open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing, you're going to find out that all the research, Harvard, University of British Columbia, everybody's right. It's what I've been saying for, for millennia. Test me now. But please understand, ladies and gentlemen, 
I am not inviting you to tithe your way into prosperity. Let's be clear on that. Nope, 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 nope. Oh, will there be material and significant blessing? I'm going to testify to that in just a moment. Yes, there will be. But, and would you write this down? I'm inviting you to pray, to tithe your way into faithfulness to the Lord of Calvary who has been utterly faithful to you. Just tithe your way into faithfulness. No more stop and start. Just, just, just start now forever. When you see how the story ends, when you see how the story ends, you will then know he really does come through with more than what I put in. When you see how this story ends, you will know. But even in this life, I'll tell you a testimony in just a second here. Put them to, oh, keep, keep, keep writing. Tithing is a statement of radical trust, key word, radical trust in your omnipotent creator, your unlimited provider, your never failing savior and friend. That's what tithing is. God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. You in a marriage, you both agree on this. Karen and I got into this as soon as we got married. Come on, we're going to tithe. No matter what is happening, we're going to be faithful. We're going to seek to be faithful. And I could spend all day telling you about the blessings God has done. In fact, some of them you say, oh, that's not a big deal to me. It was a huge deal to me. And by the way, it's not because we are somebody special. It's because He is somebody special. He is the unlimited provider of this universe. He says, test me. Boy, girl, test me. So we did. Started out our marriage, said, we're just going to do it. And this is a true story, by the way, and I love telling this story. I remember at the end of one month when there was more month than money. I'm balancing the checkbook. Do you remember what those were, these checkbook things? Yeah, I'm balancing the checkbook. And I'm saying, oh, my Lord, we are, uh, we are already under. We're in, we're in negative territory, except there was one check, one check that, was not, that had not come in. Oh, my life is being saved by this check. I said, isn't that strange? It's a dry cleaners just down the road, little tiny dry cleaners. That's terrible. These guys have not gotten, I mean, I got the service, but they don't have the money. So I stopped by the little dry cleaners and I said, hey, folks, I, you have not cashed a check. That I, 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 got this, I got the clothes back, but you didn't cash the check. They said, give us a date on that check. So I looked down in my little book. I said, I gave them the date. <clears throat> I said, oh, that day, at the end of the day, after you had dropped your check off and others had dropped cash off, we were robbed that night. Everything was stolen. The cash register emptied. Oh, I said, that's terrible. Let me write you another check. No, 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 no. You don't have to. Our insurance has covered the whole thing. It's on us. Now, look, I do not want to thank God for robbing the dry cleaners, but whom else am I supposed to thank? He's the only one that knows. Guys, I know there's some people, they're a little, they're, they're a little grumpy. They're that way by nature. But I know that, that there's some people that say, hey, listen, hey, 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 oh, you're not supposed to tithe, Dwight. You're not supposed to tithe because of the blessing you get out of it. You're just supposed to tithe because it's a privilege to tithe. Well, my friend, if it is such a privilege to tithe, then maybe God should not have promised to bless me if he didn't mean he was going to bless me. I'm holding him to his word. You shouldn't have said it if you didn't mean it. And he means it. He means it. Test me. Test me. Like I did with the children of Israel for 40 years, their clothing never ran out. Their, the soles of their sandals never went threadbare. They tested me and I did it for 40 years. Don't you think I can take care of you for four weeks? Test me. Test me. 
And so I invite you to take the 90-day tithe challenge. Either category that you're in, come on. This is, you owe it to yourself, my friend. You are hurting yourself by not doing it. Come on, get on the bandwagon of God's blessings. A hundred years ago, Ellen White wrote these words, put it on the screen for you as we move to a wrap. Everything that God could do was done to save a perishing world. Here's that verse Jose quoted in his prayer. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, no, listen, listen. God has made it impossible for it to be said that he could have done more than he has done for the fallen race. When he gave his son... He gave himself in one great gift. He poured out the whole treasure of heaven. He has revealed a love. Oh, I love this. He has revealed a love that defies all computation. Write that down. He has revealed a love that defies all computation. Write that down. By the way, all computation, you know what that means? He didn't just give you 10% of his heart. On Calvary, he did not give you 10% of his heart. He didn't give you 50%. He did not give you 90%. He gave you every bit of my heart you can have. I'm giving you the entire treasury of heaven. I'll give it all in the gift of my, my son. You have it all. I'll give you the universe. You watch. Watch how the story ends. You get it all. Test me. Test me. Test me. Giving, receiving, blessing, tithing. Test me. Test me. Come on. So I invite you to take the 90-day tithe challenge and find out for yourself he will more than take care of you. Take out your, your, your uh, Connect card, please. I want to sing a hymn and go home. Visitors, we do this at, uh, every time we come to this moment in the teaching at the end. We take out a little connect card. It's, in, it's tucked away in your worship bulletin. I want you to put on, uh, uh, please, on, uh, on the uh, front of the card, the demographic information you're comfortable with. The members, just, they just put their names down. Put an email address. I'm going to make a little offer here in a second. So make sure it's legible, though. Make sure it's legible. Your name and email address and whatever else you're comfortable with. But turn the card over, please. My next step today, this is, this is, okay, so what do I do with this teaching? Number one, I choose to live by Jesus' motto, it is better to give than to receive. I do it. I'm putting a check mark right there. The ushers are going to the doors right now to receive these cards from us. I choose to live by Jesus' motto, it is better to give than to receive. That's box number one. Box number two, I renew my covenant with God to faithfully return his 10% of my income. <laughs> I just want to renew my covenant. Put a check mark right there. You're not promising me. You're not promising me a thing. You're saying to God, hey, I'm taking you seriously. Radical trust, I want to display it. And finally, number three, I wish to take the 90-day tithe challenge to see if God will not open the floodgates of heaven for me as well. Me too. Send me periodic email notes of encouragement. That's all we'll do. There's no, there's no gimmick in that. You just want some encouragement along the way. We'll send it to you. Put the email address on, on the other side and we'll send that to you. Test me, God says. By the way, at the end, we're going to have some of our prayer team standing right up here. After we've sung this song, they'll be standing right here. That, that standing says, come. You want somebody to pray with you? Whatever you want to pray about, doesn't matter about, this may not be anything about today, but if you'd like somebody to pray with you, come right here and they'll be standing up here at the front. I want to pray with you. 
and ask God to take our decisions. And some of you, the, the Spirit is just saying, come on, take the challenge, take the challenge. And I do sincerely invite you to take the challenge. You'll never report to me. I won't check up on you. But I know that there is a, a, a multitude of God's choicest blessings. He will give you a multitude of blessings. If you take him up on the challenge, it's your choice. Why not? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for being the unlimited provider of the universe. You're the only one that can make a promise like this and then keep it. So we're taking you at your word. Do whatever it takes, but grant us the radical trust to believe that you will never leave us or forsake us. You have all the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My God will provide your needs according to those riches. Dear God, take our, take our faith and have at it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'd like to take a moment to ask for your help. Currently, Pioneer is recording the programs at this website on 15-year-old analog cameras. Over the years, as the television standards have changed, we've adapted our cameras to the new standards. However, we're at the point now of no longer being able to cobble these cameras together. The reason? Because of the television industry's shift to high definition. As you can see, this camera is actually using parts from two separate cameras. In fact, we have some camera operators now who are younger than these cameras. The new high definition standard, or HD, is four times the resolution of our current cameras and employs the industry standard widescreen format. The sensors in these cameras are just not capable of producing that level of picture quality. New cameras are a huge investment for our small ministry, but we feel it's something that needs to be done as some of our major broadcast partners are now planning to shift to this standard. So I'm asking if you'd be willing to help. If the Spirit puts it on your heart, would you be willing to give some extra support to this ministry? Through your gifts, multiplied, I believe, exponentially by God's power, we can reach this end-time generation. So look, the process is simple. Just click on the link there on the website that says, Make a Donation. You can give a single gift, or if you'd like to support us long-term, you can make that gift happen each month. If you'd rather speak with someone instead of using this uh, website, that's fine. Call our friendly operators. Toll-free number, let me put it on the screen here, 877, and the, the two words, His Will. 877-HIS-WILL. And by the way, not a single dollar donated to this ministry or this project goes to me. Your gift will go straight to our mission. Thank you for your support. And as always, I hope I'll see you back here again at this site.